We've discussed what we think the year ahead holds for investors. But today, we'll tell you what would completely upend expected outcomes for the year ahead. Here's what matters. Live from New York City, I'm Lauren Goodwin, and this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we bring you the best insights from across the New York Life Investments platform because we believe that by sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everyone. It's the week of January 15th, 2024. I'm still getting used to saying 2024. And this week, we're revisiting one of my favorite annual reports. And frankly, it's one of our listeners' favorites, too. Swan Lake. Our analysis of the risks that, though very unlikely, would completely disrupt investor consensus in 2024 if they occurred. We had a big, long, fun list of potential disruptors for this year. And how could you not, after just years marked by the COVID-19 pandemic, major policy changes, wars, everything is fair game. But we narrowed it down to six in our research piece, and we're going to focus on just three of those today, covering the next three next week. So I'm here with the one and only Macro Mike Legalbo to discuss this topic. And he's worked with some incredibly smart and generous people at Candrium, Mackay Shields, and really across the New York Life Investments platform to support this research. Thanks, Lauren. I agree with your excitement for the project. This report is a great opportunity for some out-of-the-consensus thinking and a break from the usual economic cycle-type thinking. The coming year is filled with a lot of uncertainty, with most investors focusing on risks related to inflation, interest rates, and the likelihood of recession. No surprise there, of course, because of course those risks appear most likely. However, in the past several years, shocks previously considered impossible or unlikely have indeed come to fruition. Yeah, it's a really good point. And I think accordingly, or at least we believe in our process, it's it's appropriate, even important, necessary to consider not just the upside and downside more likely scenarios to our base case views, but also the black swans, the high impact, unpredictable events that, again, though incredibly unlikely, would upend the 2024 outlook. If the last few years haven't taught us that lesson, I'm not sure what will. Like you said, think COVID, think the Russian invasion of Ukraine. These were shocks previously considered impossible or otherwise highly unlikely that ultimately did happen and with heavy impacts on economic growth, market behavior, and human life. It's also worth noting that these were not just singular shocks. They've forced us to structurally reconsider how we think about big parts of the world, like supply chains, like countries, national interest, international relations. And so these black swans aren't just one-off things that might produce positive or negative price action in a week. They can change market dynamics for years, maybe decades. So with that in mind, where do you want to start? How about China and Russia form a monetary union? Okay, excellent. So for our listeners, I found this black swan especially interesting because even though Russia and China can share a 2,600-mile border, they aren't really the best of friends, at least geopolitically speaking. So when Mike brought this idea to the team, I thought, no way would that happen. But 
that's the point of the exercise in many ways to challenge our biases and think about what might really turn the tables for the year ahead. And you're right. Russia and China aren't historically the best of friends. During the Cold War, ideological differences between Soviet communism and Maoism created significant rifts between the two countries. And while they've overcome a lot of their differences, I don't believe complete trust between the two exists. Nevertheless, as the adage says, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. In recent years, they've found common ground in opposing Western dominance and have cooperated in areas like energy and defense. The next step in this partnership could be economic. Yeah, that's really interesting. Their quote-unquote no-limits partnership seemed to find some limits after Russia invaded Ukraine, but I hear what you're saying. So if these two countries did expand their partnership to include an economic step like this, what would a China-Russia monetary union look like? China and Russia could start with a common currency for international financial transactions, akin to the European Currency Union, or ECU, that preceded the euro. This new currency, which would be designed to coexist with the Chinese renminbi and the Russian ruble, would aim to enhance economic and policy coordination between the two countries. If the experiment is successful, it could pave the way for a full currency merger and possible expansion resembling the European Union's model. Wow, that would really shake up the global financial landscape. But why is this a black swan specifically for 2024? What would drive these countries to create a shared currency this year as opposed to five years ago or five years from now? I see as a result of escalating tensions between the two countries and the United States and the European Union. This move would be a way to solidify a sphere of influence and push back on Western-dominated financial systems. This weaponization has been particularly visible and even painful in recent years. For Russia, the rising use of economic sanctions and weaponization of the dollar, especially in the wake of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, has made the search for alternative markets more urgent. That's right. And at the start of this month, the G7, or Group of Seven Countries, and the European Union banned the Russian diamond industry from their markets. Sanctions like this are likely to be the biggest shakeups to that industry in decades. Exactly. Meanwhile, China aiming to reduce its own geopolitical vulnerabilities, is closely watching the impact of these sanctions on Russia. These efforts underscore the potential risks China faces if it remains reliant on a USD-backed global financial system. Moreover, Russia and China's cooperation in Middle East relationships and leadership of the BRICS cohort suggest both Russian President Vladimir Putin and Chinese President Xi Jinping are aware they cannot individually counter the expanding influence of the U.S. and the West. This hypothetical monetary union would be such an interesting geopolitical and strategic move. But let's step back and think about how this would actually play out in markets. Again, it's a very hypothetical scenario. But in that hypothetical scenario, I could probably see U.S. yields rising as China would likely need to sell substantial amount of its treasury holdings to restructure its reserves in support of a currency union with Russia. Gold could help to back this new currency, leading to a structural increase in demand there. I think such a move also underscores the current trend of deglobalization. Multinational corporations would face challenges operating in an increasingly polarized world, as distinct business and trade regions could drive up operational costs. Western-based companies may benefit from reshoring, though consumers may be left to bear higher prices. 
Okay, great. I think we've got that one covered. Big, big idea, interesting implications. And of course, we were focusing on China and Russia. So let's move west a little bit to Sweden to talk about our next black swan idea. Sure. So our next swan deals with clean energy and carbon emissions. Most people know that almost every country has made bold commitments to reduce carbon emissions today, but they're facing challenges. Notably, two hurdles for the clean energy transition are rigid economic structures around traditional fuels and that countries are running into the limits of their physical resources to expand renewable energy capacity. As this happens, we believe countries will look for other ways to reduce emissions as self-imposed but legal deadlines are looming. Exactly. And in our research of this reality and some of the ideas posed to address it, we found that one unique and effective way a country could cut its carbon emissions is by eliminating, either in the form of a tax or a total ban, meat production. Specifically, in our black swan scenario, Sweden could make such a move in 2024, potentially as a step towards a complete ban on all domestically produced live animal sourced meat by a key emissions target date like 2030. We should also note that this would not have a large global impact. It's more symbolic. Sweden does not have a large domestic meat production industry, and any impact outside of the Nordic region would probably be unlikely. But we thought this idea was interesting because a move like this could push other countries to make similarly aggressive policy changes in the fight against climate change. That's right. Such a move also underscores the transition from traditional to alternative meats and lab-grown meats. Per the Good Food Institute, plant-based alternatives to chicken can reduce greenhouse gas emissions up to 86%. Plant-based alternatives to pork can reduce greenhouse gas emissions up to 92%. And plant-based alternatives to beef can reduce greenhouse gas emissions by up to 99%. Lamb-cultivated alternatives to these proteins can also cut emissions by up to 92%. So this policy isn't forcing citizens to become vegetarians in the traditional sense, but to consider alternative meat sources. As this data shows, replacing the traditional meat industry with alternative meats would significantly reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Like all black swans, this one feels a little wild, but investors should keep an eye on this space. Plant-based meats and milks and similar trends have surprised investors before, and the alternative meat industry is growing and has the potential to revolutionize the bioinfrastructure landscape. Notably, major players in the food industry, historically associated with farmed meat, are already branching into the alternative meat arena. And this suggests that consumers are primed or at least starting to be primed for more climate-friendly shifts in food production, again, which could be facilitated by policy changes like this idea suggests. I couldn't agree more. I could see an emerging competitive market focused on the development of the best-tasting alternative meats, a concept that could soon find its way into mainstream media. Imagine a future where cooking shows host alternative meat competitions, or a popular restaurant only serves alternative meats. Okay, now I'm thinking about lunch. So we, how about we detail one more of our 2024 black swans? Maybe we turn to the Middle East with this one? Sure. Let's talk about what it would look like if Saudi Arabia developed a water scarcity solution. Awesome. This one's really interesting. Let me just set the stage. Typically, when people think of scarce natural resources, they think of energy sources like oil and natural gas. However, a lesser known fact is that water is one of the world's most critical 
and dwindling resources. And this scarcity is driven by factors such as population growth, increasing urbanization, and excessive use and poor management of water resources, especially in some geographies, impacted, of course, by climate change. Exactly. And it's clear the world urgently needs to address the problem of water scarcity. With increasing water scarcity, tensions between nations struggling for water are also on the rise. Take Egypt and Ethiopia's prolonged legal battles over the Nile River as an example. Since Egypt is upstream, its actions significantly impact Ethiopia. Moreover, the number of people displaced due to water scarcity is expected to grow. In places like Tunisia, for instance, thousands have already been forced to abandon their homes due to lack of water access. Yeah, it's it's a scary situation. And even in the U.S., we've had water issues due to a wide variety of climates, changes in those climates over time, and the lack of proper infrastructure to solve it, at least for now. But we can be hopeful when the world needs to solve a problem because a lot of times it can. And that's what this black swan is about. So how would this scenario play out in terms of addressing water scarcity? So in this hypothetical black swan scenario, Saudi Arabia, the leading investor in desalination projects, makes the needed required breakthroughs to make desalination economically feasible. They can do it, they just can't do it at the right cost yet. This would allow salty seawater to be converted into drinking water. One of the biggest hurdles here is what to do with the brine discharge or salty wastewater that's the byproduct of desalination. Researchers are exploring ways to treat or repurpose the brine into usable materials, for example, construction materials. This development would not only address environmental concerns, but also add economic value to the desalination process. This is one of the reasons why I love this project. Did you, our listener, did you know that desalination is seeing lots of investment already and that people are thinking about this? I just think it's so interesting. But before we even consider the economic implications of a cost-effective desalination process, let's look at the geopolitical ones. A breakthrough in desalination technology by Saudi Arabia could significantly lessen the geopolitical risks linked to water scarcity. Saudi Arabia's importance in the Middle East today and global economies would likely rise, and the way they handle technology licensing and replication could influence international relations, intellectual property laws, all kinds of implications. Here's another interesting facet of this black swan. Many people are familiar with the category of green bonds or those funding sustainability efforts, while blue bonds, a category of bonds which finance marine and water-based projects, could see a similar surge in demand. Finally, countries less exposed to water insecurity, such as Canada and the Nordic states, may become more attractive to investors seeking to avoid water exposure risks. Okay, I think that's a good stopping point. Mike, thank you so much for this excellent out-of-the-box thinking and stellar research with the help of our partners. Thanks, Lauren. Coming up next, we're going to go to part two of our Black Swans report, sharing three additional ideas of things that could disrupt the investment landscape in 2024. You don't want to miss this one. It's going to be really good. But that's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. In the meantime, please remember to give us a like, follow, or review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views at newyorklifeinvestments.com backslash global dash markets. All of our team stuff is there. Until then, I'm Lauren Goodwin here with Macro Mike Legalbo, and we'll see you next time. 
Our podcast is produced by Will Tyus, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I will now read our disclosures from compliance. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as at a specific date, is subject to change, and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is both a service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with the New York Life Insurance Company. Securities are distributed by Nylife Distributors, LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. Nylife Distributors, LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC. Candrium and Mackay Shields, LLC are affiliates of New York Life Investments.